Hi, and welcome back to the Wild EM podcast. Today, we are still bringing you better care out there. But the situation is not good. You've run into a patient who looks big sick after sending a jump on his mountain bike. He was attempting his first ever no-hander, which left the handlebars free to jab his spleen upon landing. But now, our patient isn't doing too good. Looks like he, or she, is in shock, and pretty hard to stop the intra-abdominal bleeding without a surgeon around. You're listening to Canadian Podcasts. When patients like the one we've just described come into our emergency department, they need immediate attention and multiple simultaneous interventions. Among these is a drug called TXA, short for transexemic acid, which I will not try to repeat on the podcast today. Previous studies, such as CRASH-2 trial, have shown that this drug reduces mortality when administered to patients with quote-unquote significant bleeding. This same study also showed that administration of TXA was time-dependent. So by that I mean treatment beyond the three-hour window after the trauma is likely to be ineffective. But if given before or in those first three hours, then it was good to go. In episode two, we went over the importance of direct pressure for hemostasis. Keep in mind, you won't be making friends nor helping any patients if you attempt this for intra-abdominal bleeding though, which brings us to our case. Should we be carrying and using drugs such as TXA to be used in the pre-hospital and or wilderness setting? Now, that's a pretty loaded question, and before this month's article, my opinion was tilted towards no for two reasons. First, I like to keep the med kits small for most outings, so I actually do end up bringing it, and the added equipment for IV access is counter to that belief. Second, maybe most important, Depending on your skill set and the location and environment in which your patient is, attempting to gain IV access may lead to delay in ultimate care, in which case, again, not helping your patients. So with those two caveats in mind, we enter today's Journal Club article, Pharmacokinetics of Intramuscular Transexemic Acid in Bleeding Trauma Patients. The authors preface their study results with a very important question regarding this study. They cite an article by Sano and all, which looked at IV versus IM administration of TXA, and, no surprise, IV had a higher plasma dose. Despite this, that study concluded that in both cases, quote-unquote, therapeutic doses were achieved since other literature, that we'll get into in a moment, has shown that a concentration over 10 mg per liter is, quote-unquote, therapeutic. Further complicating the matter, these were healthy people. In a sick bleeding patient, blood flow to the muscles will be impaired, and the effects of this on the absorption of IMTXA is unknown. So, with that pretty long introduction in mind, let's have a look at the author's study. First of all, this was a prospective pharmacological study. We'll dive into this a little deeper in the podcast, but for now, what's important to understand is they are measuring drug concentrations in patients. There is no comparison group here. P. Population. These were adult patients over 16 years old who received 1 gram IVTXA loading dose 
and in whom it was indicated to give another dose of TXA. The patients were said to have a life-threatening injury with significant bleeding. I. Intervention. Intramuscular administration of TXA. The dose given was in two intramuscular shots at two sites, since half the dose was equated to around 5 cc's, which, per the authors, is the upper acceptable limit for an intramuscular injection. These shots were given either in the deltoid, thigh, or gluteal muscles. Blood samples were then taken at six different time intervals to measure the serum drug concentration. O. Outcome. Measured TXA concentrations. Okay, on to the results. Here, we have to first cite a systematic review by Pissetti and all called what concentration of TXA is needed to inhibit fibrinolysis. And we'll cut to the chase. The results per their study is a concentration between 10 to 15 milligrams per liter. So you can remember that dosing that we cited earlier. So that's important to remember going on to the results. So talking about the results, in the patients in this study, the authors found that a TXA concentration above 10 milligrams per liter was obtained on average 11 minutes after the injection and would stay above that concentration for 5.6 hours. Discussion. Okay, let's dive in. There's a lot to unpack here. First, I think we need to address the issue of the dose concentration. Going back to the systematic review that we cited earlier by Pissetti and all on TXA serum concentrations, the results state that a dose of 10 to 15 milligrams per liter, there is an antifibrinolysis effect. But this study does not address if antifibrinolytic effect is what saves patients' lives. So in other words, my question is, is obtaining a dose over 10 milligrams per liter sufficient for the mortality benefit that we saw in the earlier trial of CRASH-2? And unfortunately, I cannot find an answer to that question. Diving deeper into serum concentrations, the earlier study we mentioned by Sano and al. looking at serum drug concentrations showed that both the IM and the IV route will give quote-unquote therapeutic drug levels. But in that study, the IV drug level was almost three times as high as the IM route. Now reflecting on that last phrase, here is my issue with IMTXA. First of all, we know that IV TXA saves lives in bleeding trauma patients with a lot of bleeding, as per the CRASH-2 trial. Second, we say that a therapeutic dose of TXA is over 10 milligrams per liter, but this is only the dose at which an antifibrinolytic level is achieved, and nowhere could I find that this dose is sufficient to improve mortality of sick, bleeding patients. Third, though IV and IMTXA reach levels over 10 milligrams per liter, the IV route reaches peak doses up to three times higher than the IM route. And this is, to the best of my understanding, in the context where the current dose-response relationship for TXA is unknown. By that, I mean that it's unknown if a higher dose level in your system means you will do better. So with those three statements in mind, it's very hard to say that IMTXA is just as good as the tried and tested IV form since serum concentrations with the IM route are way below the IV route, though both of them are above the 10 milligrams per liter cutoff point. Now, with that out of the way, this is a fantastic study because the possibility of using IMTXA to treat life-threatening bleeding, especially for a drug that is time-dependent, and by that I mean needs to be given within the first three hours to have a benefit on mortality, would be a game-changer. So what to do with these results? Well, first off, I agree with the authors who end the article by saying, and I quote, 
raises the possibility that IMTXA could be given by trained first responders, police officers, and primary care nurses, thus greatly expanding timely access to treatment for patients. And I think this study does just that. It raises a very interesting possibility, but until IM dosing can demonstrate the same mortality benefit as the IV dose done in CRASH-2, I think more data is needed to confirm that despite the IM route obtaining lower serum drug concentrations in the IV form, it is just as good for saving our patients' lives. Now, I'll finish by saying though that IMTXA is definitely not been shown equivalent to IVTXA in an evidence-based fashion. Its use in the austere setting, where the other option is giving no TXA, may be interesting. The wilderness setting, where evacuation and transfer to more advanced care with IV medications will likely take more than three hours, therefore comes to mind. For myself, what I take away is more evidence is definitely needed to say with confidence that IMTXA can reduce mortality in bleeding trauma patients. But until we get that data, in lower resource settings where there is no timely access to IVTXA, the IM route of administration seems reasonable to consider in a case-by-case fashion. Alright, that's it for today's show. We are going to stop it there. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and until next time, remember to keep your crampons in the ice.